Hey guys, and welcome to another exciting episode of Your Life, God's Word. Thanks for joining this time of relevant conversation and scriptural application where we apply God's Word to the most important areas of life, God, family, and community. We pray this broadcast inspires, encourages, challenges, and blesses you in every way. So without further ado, let's dive right in to this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, Don't forget to uh, reach out to us if you've got questions, comments, a topic that you'd like to uh, see presented or talked about. Podcast at breadbreakers.com. That's podcast at breadbreakers.com. We can get your uh, comments and questions and such via email, or you can hit us up on the Facebook page. Um, we uh, we try to check that inbox uh, somewhat regularly, make sure that people are um, you know reaching out to us with uh, prayer requests and things of that nature, so that we can be praying with them or maybe asking you know about service times and things like that. <clears throat> but we can certainly answer questions and get topics that way as well. So last time, we uh, we talked about the importance of getting into the, the Word of God, how this is one of the most crucial and critical spiritual disciplines that we need to start establishing now. Um, if you've been living for God for 10 days, 10 months, or 10 years, if you've not established a regular diet of getting into the Word of God, you you absolutely need to start doing that now. You've got to start reading the Bible. You have to start reading the Bible. So many people, I want to hear from God. Well, he said a lot. Let's get in there and start seeing what he said and uh, give ourselves that foundation. The uh, the couple of things that we went through <clears throat> in our time from the last podcast is, first, we, we talked about the kind of the approach of coming to the Word of God. We need to be open, need to be open-minded. Uh, we all have a framework that we're going to approach the Word of God with. We all have preconceived notions and ideas, but we need to, um, we need to be open, open to change, uh, open to letting God speak for himself, and we need to be prayerful. We need to be prayerful and um, go in with our, our, our you know, spiritual feelers alert, awake, and, and ready to receive from God. We also talked about the difference between uh, kind of exegesis and eisegesis are the kind of the formal terms, but we broke that down into the basics of you let God speak for himself versus reading what we want to into the Word of God. We gave some examples about how easy it is to take a scripture out of context, take a few verses, and build doctrines off of verses, and those doctrines are completely out of whack. So go back, listen to that episode if you'd like to. Uh, In this episode, I want to uh, dive in a little bit further and uh, first address sort of what what is scripture what, what you know what what is scripture where where can we find scripture so many people ask like what version of the bible is a good one to to dive into um i'll give you a quick rundown and again reach out to us if you have questions i'd love to uh dive into a again wow a zoom Bible study. We can get on Skype and, you know, kind of one-on-one or a small group and dive into some of these things more. We've done all this stuff before. Love to do it. 
uh, for people that are hungry and wanting to grow in their uh, in their walk with God. Don't know where you are in your journey and would love to help you in yours, and you can help me in mine. So what what are what's a good translation of the Bible, right? NIV, NLT, ESV, NASB. What are these things, right? I t- I've, I've decided, I was listening to the podcast last from last week, just kind of um, taking mental notes going into this one, and realized how much I say right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is so funny, because I don't think I do that in other, like when I'm just talking, or even when I'm like teaching or preaching and stuff, I don't think I say that all that much. But in the podcast, for whatever reason, I feel the need to fill a small void with right? So I'm going to try to stop doing that. Right? (laughs) So basically, translations of the Bible, look for one that is translated as part of a, you know, a large project, multiple groups, maybe even an international project, different denominations coming together, mostly because we talked about a little bit last week, right? Ah, I did it. We talked about it a, a little bit last week. The The Greek language is like any other language. A word could be translated multiple ways. And based on the context, based on the setting, based on what we know of Scripture already, and these types of things, we have to know the best way to translate a word in doing a translation. But if you come at it with a specific slant, you come at it with a specific doctrine or theology that you already believe, and there's three different words that that a word in Greek could be translated into, two of which are ap- pretty much the same, and that's what most people would translate it as. It's clearly that way in the, uh, in the, in the context. But the third one, ah, technically it could be used that way but it really supports what you already believe, so you're going to go with that one. I think you avoid a lot of that if you get a translation that is a project that's you know kind of interdenominational. It's something that wasn't thrown thrown out there in a month. The credentials of the people that put it together. Now I can say from experience, I've read most of the major translations that fit that bill, and I mean. I don't have a lot of complaints about any of them. I have a Bible that's a uh, that's a parallel Bible, four different Bibles. I think it's King James, NLT, NIV, and maybe New King James. So that's cool. So you can read same verse right there across the page. Those are cool. But I would recommend something that's that's very easy just to read and understand. The NIV is really easy to understand. It's pretty plain English, say the NLT, the ESV, uh, so new international version for those who may not know that, NIV. Uh, the NLT is, what is the NLT? <laughs> the, the ESV is the, uh, is the English standard version, new living translation, NLT, that's where I had to look it up. Uh, so one thing that I would say to avoid, so they have there's this version of the Bible that I just recently learned about called the the Passion Translation, TPT. And I looked into it because 
there was some scriptures that were kind of suspect I heard someone preaching on. I was like, what version of the Bible is that? Like, I've never heard that. And I looked into it, and the Passion Translation is basically a version of the Bible that one guy, Brian Simmons, I think is his name, kind of put together. So that should be a red flag there. Whenever a single person or single denomination, uh, the the Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, like they, the Watchtower Society, they they put together their their own New World Translation. I think is what theirs is. But they're again, they've got a, spe- a specific set of doctrines. They have specific set of teachings that differ pretty you know pretty wildly from some of the standard. Uh, Christian teachings that you would think of doesn't mean they're wrong just because they differ, but then they go and translate the Bible their own way. And I mean, you, you just have to be careful. And so the passion translation, I would avoid personally because it's like 40% longer than other versions of the Bible. I'm talking about, you get multiple other versions of the Bible that say basically the same thing. This version expands upon it. Uh, (laughs) If you go and look at the website and some of the things that Brian Simmons has said, uh, apparently he had a visitation from Jesus or like an angel that commissioned him to reveal things that were heretofore unknown about the Hebrew and Greek languages, and he is commissioned to write the Bible. Uh, Very oddly enough in a very marketing-savvy way to do it book by book, and so you get to go out and pay X amount of money for this book, and then next month he's going to have the next you know book out or next three months or whatever. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with making money, but that that's kind of suspicious. All of these things are very suspicious. Sounds a lot like Joseph Smith out with these golden plates that we translate... And nobody knows what the plates are. Nobody ever saw the plates, but somehow he had special revelation. I just, I I would avoid versions of the Bible where special revelation and special commission from God is required because in translating the Bible, all that's required is the ability to go read Greek and Hebrew and translate, right? So I think it's best to stick with the ones that are been around a while, and why do you need another one? Um, do what you want to do, but I would be very leery on anything that is not a very strenuous process to bring about the Scriptures. So I would recommend NIV. King James is good, but a lot of people can't. I mean, there's so many words that people don't use anymore and that kind of thing. I tend to get away from King James for people that are reading through the Bible for the first time because you can get frustrated just at the wording. It's frustrating enough trying to get through the entire Bible in a year, for instance. Uh, why, why frustrate it more? So NIV, NLT, ESV, I think those are good ones. NASB is another one. And uh, I've read the NET. I think that's a, um, a pretty good one. So happy to discuss that a little bit more. I probably already did too much. But you see what I'm, you see what I'm getting at couple of things on this. The red letters, we're, we're going through the red letter challenge right now with our in our church, and I, I like the, the concept. The red letter challenge is about getting back to the red letters, the red letters, you know, the, the words of Jesus spoken in the Gospels and, and Acts and stuff, and uh, 
And it's basically just getting back to the basic tenets of Christianity. Of course, that, you know, getting back to the basic tenets of Christianity as preached by Jesus challenge probably doesn't have the same ring to it as the red letter challenge. But we, we shouldn't get too caught up in things like that because the red letters, there was no red lettering when they wrote the original Greek. Okay, they didn't use, they didn't stop the writing on the parchment and dip the dip the quill into the red ink and and they didn't do that okay that's that's commentary that's people trying to pull out well this is where Jesus is actually speaking uh other other areas of commentary are divisions in the bible right matthew mark luke and john matthew mark luke and john right what is that oh that's that's new testament not really jesus specifically said that it was his blood that was going to usher in the New Testament. His blood is not shed until the end of Matthew, the end of Mark, the end of Luke, the end of John. So really, the New Testament doesn't start, I mean, at, at the very earliest when, his, when he died, when his blood was actually shed. And I would make the argument when everything was fulfilled and he was he was at least risen again. So it's like, you know, the last couple of chapters or each of those are actually New Testament. But for sake of divisions, for sake of finding things, for sake of, you know, putting a Bible together, they put Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the quote-unquote New Testament. That That's not that big a deal until you get to doctrines like, what about the thief on the cross? The thief on the cross! You know, the thief on the cross! You ever hear about the thief on the cross? I'm not trying to be negative or pejorative or anything, but I've just heard this so many times, and it's it, it's because people people literally open the Bible and say, look, Matthew 1.1, that's New Testament. So the, the thief on the cross was saved under the New Testament. No, he was not. Jesus was still alive, and he was saved under the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. Okay? <laughs> uh, we don't... We, 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 we don't need to we don't need to see him in the book of acts right we don't need to see him post resurrection he was pre resurrection uh so 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 in 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 things like that in nuances like that it can become an issue and you got to kind of show people walk people through that but for the day to day for the most part it, it doesn't really matter but just understand that Divisions in the Bible are not Scripture. The, the the headers in the Bible are not Scripture, right? I think some Bibles, when they uh, when when they get to uh, certain areas, they they will say, "Oh, these are the rules about say public worship," or "These are the rules about you know this is what Paul was talking about when he was dealing with blah blah blah." Well, that's what that's what we presume, or that's what whoever is writing that. Bible, that's what they presume the situation is, and that's probably right, but that's not Scripture. That's not, that's just what somebody is is anticipating, maybe an educated guess, okay? The, uh, the footnotes, the cross-references are not necessarily Bible. Um, you get a study Bible, you know, the commentary that's in there. That is someone's opinion. Now, possibly someone very very studied in the scripture, maybe a very good opinion, maybe completely correct, but it's not Bible. What is Bible is the actual scriptures. And so we just have to be careful because so many times people will go to, well, look at this down here, this footnote, what it says. That footnote is not the Bible. That is some dude 
or some organization that said, hey, let's put this in here because we think that's what this means. That that does not mean that's true. That doesn't mean that's that's accurate. So we do need to understand that. Uh, divisions of the Bible, headings in the Bible, commentary on the Bible. None of this stuff is the actual Scripture. It's all just man's attempt to try and, you know, maybe help us in our study or, or, or whatever. The other thing that we need to uh, sort of understand is sort of how Scripture is mapped out. We have the Old Covenant, or the Old Testament, and we have the New Covenant, or the New Testament. The, I'll say, order of importance is important. Okay? It is all important. There are people that are like, oh, we should we should detach from the Old Testament and just, just be a New Testament church. We should... You know, not combine our scriptures because there's so many, you know, there's so many Bible verses and things in the Old Testament that, you know, people find, uh, you know, harmful to their sensibilities nowadays or, you know, whatever. And so we should just just focus on Matthew through Revelation, which there's a bunch of stuff in Matthew through Revelation that harm people's modern sensibilities. So what, are we going to start cutting that out too? No, I don't think we are. Let's go with all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. It is scripture but to the brand new person starting to starting to walk with Christ, I would say the book of Acts is higher priority for you to read through than the book of Leviticus. I think you should get through both of them. I think they both are helpful. I think they're both the, equally the Word of God. But there are things in the Word of God... Uh, that have, I'll say, maybe higher priority in your in your learning. Let's get this first, and then we'll get to these other things. Even within the New Testament, we see that. There are concepts within the New Testament that are kind of first principles. We, we should probably get to these first, make sure you understand this, and then we can learn other things. It's a growth type of thing. So, I would personally focus on the New Testament first. If you're going to go through a Bible program, you're going to try and read the Bible for the first time, you're going to do the entire Bible in a year, as long as you're not going to fall off the bandwagon, go for it. But if you're just getting started, you're going to start with like a chapter a day to keep it kind of easy, that kind of thing, then start in the New Testament. So you can get through that, push through, read the epistles, read the Gospels. That would be my recommendation. That would be my recommendation. But the New Testament is where things are fulfilled. And so in the Old Testament things, I'll give you one example, dietary laws, right? There are lots of dietary laws of what not to eat and stuff like this in the Old Testament. Well, in the New Testament, we know that those do not apply to the church. Doesn't mean that you just eat whatever you want and you'll never have any problems because there are certain, there are certain <laughs> dietary restrictions that might even be healthy for you and me, right? Not just you. But it's not like God is going to judge us harshly and throw us into hell right alongside uh, the, 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 the worst demons uh, in hell because we ate pork. I don't personally even really care for pork all that much. My wife, on the other hand, she, she thinks you're getting thrown in hell if you don't like pork. So um, I just praise God that 
all things are to be taken with thanksgiving, right? <laughs> and prayer. Um, so New Testament, New Testament. The, another thing is Scripture interpreting Scripture, okay? Kind of order priority. Uh, New Testament, let's get in that first. Let's understand that. Um, New Testament over Old Testament, but not... New Testament without the Old Testament, if that makes if that makes sense. So, next is Scripture interpreting Scripture. I I like when people are building a doctrine, when people are trying to explain things, when people are trying, you know, if people say things like, you know, what Jesus means here, or what Paul was referring to there. I personally like if they can show me a Scripture to back that up. I don't. I'm not super big on, well, you got to understand the culture and see, I took this class and, you know, went through three years of understanding the culture of that day. And this is what Paul really meant. Real. Okay. So unless you took this class list, you know, this special other scriptural knowledge outside of scripture, right? Not even other scriptural knowledge. It's outside of scripture, extra biblical Unless you know this, you can't even know this in the Bible. Um, I'm not a big fan. I'm just not a big fan. Uh, so I think sticking with the Scriptures, let Scripture interpret itself. If you've got something that you're confused on, put it, write it down, right? Write it, <laughs> I did it again. Write it down. Pray about it. Maybe ask some people about it. But when they give their, their opinion or whatnot... Listen to see, well, is this is your opinion, or do you have Scripture to kind of show this? That's what I would look for, Scripture interpreting Scripture. Let God speak for himself as much as possible. Now, there are times where understanding the culture or whatever might be helpful, but it should never be like, oh, that, oh, okay, man, whoo! I thought this Scripture was telling me that I'm not supposed to lie, um, but you're telling me lying is totally okay, I mean... After all, I want to, you know, be a politician, so I'm going to have to lie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Had to give a little jab there. But you, you see what I'm saying? Oh, because of culture and stuff, they, it was a big deal, but now it's not really that big a deal. What? No, I, unless Paul said this is cultural, I think we need to be very careful. Unless the Old Testament's telling us, no. Unless Jesus said, no, this is, this is done away with, here's the new, that kind of thing. We need to be very careful. This gets to the the idea of, I'll say, scriptural precedent. Um, one of the one of the things I've heard, I, I can't remember if there's an actual technical term for this or not, but you interpret or translate unclear scriptures in light of scriptures that are clear. And we used an example of this last week, uh, John fifteen two, where some. Well, actually, I think all translations of the Bible say, you know, if you don't bear fruit, you're going to be taken away. Some translations say cut off. Um, and verse 6 there, four verses later, lets us know, he absolutely says, if you don't abide in me, you'll be cut off, thrown in the fire, right? Because you're a useless branch. Um, but apparently some some versions of the Bible say, well, it could also mean propped up. Not not taken away, but propped up. And well, what does that mean? God's you know, you're 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 doing your own thing, you know, kind of whatever. I love Jesus, but it's mostly in just your talk. There's no <laughs> there's no repentance, there's no change, there's no fruit. 
but God's just going to prop you up because he's just so loving. He's just going to prop. I mean, I don't think so. And, but maybe it could go either way, right? How do we, how do we know which way it is? Well, let's call that one the unclear scripture. Well, there are so many other scriptures like the parable of the talents or where John the Baptist said, hey, if you don't bear fruit, going to be cut down, thrown in the fire, right? Or how about just John 15, 6, four verses later. So you take clear scriptures that we know what it's saying and we apply what we know there to a scripture that mm, could be going either way. So that is another principle. I'll call that, I'll call that, scriptural precedent. There is scriptural precedent here. So as we read the Bible, as we as we go through it, it's not just willy-nilly, look at the glossary and whatever. This is why the Bible talks about studying the Word and not just, not just kind of casually, willy-nilly. Uh, let me just, let me just look this up. It's in, it's in um, Timothy, but I always get these I always get these mixed up. Study, it's 2 Timothy, there we go. 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15 in the NIV says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Right? In the ESV, it says, Do your best... To present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So, rightly handling. There's a way to rightly handle the word of truth. And I I think it's obvious if you can rightly handle it, then you can wrongly handle it. You can wrongly handle the word of truth. We, we went through that a little bit. Last week, eisegesis, taking what you already believe and just finding scriptures to back that up. I think it's good to understand that in scripture there are negotiables and non-negotiables. There are certain non-negotiable principles of the kingdom of God. They are bedrock, like, you know, how, how, do, I, how do I enter the kingdom of God? Or is repentance necessary? Is, 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 is baptismal regeneration scriptural? Uh, what... It, how important is it to be filled with the Spirit? Uh, you know, the, these kinds of things, right, are questions that will be answered, should be answered by Scripture. They should be scriptural. Somebody can give their opinion, but they should have Scriptures to support that opinion. But we need to understand there are some things where it's like, well, we can just agree to disagree. We can just, you know, we can just agree to disagree. That's, you know, how often should you pray? How often should you pray? Well, I mean, I think there's scriptural precedent to show uh, that prayer should be a daily thing. Well, what about in Psalm where it says it talks about, you know, three times a day? Well, right? We can get, does it say you're going to, you know, you're not a part of the kingdom, you don't have God's grace, you're not a true disciple if you're not praying three times daily every single day? You know, maybe somebody believes that, but we can agree to disagree. I think daily... Is, is very important, but even then, right? If you miss a day or two, some people might say, no, you miss a day, you miss one day, you might as well just reset. You've lost it all. I mean, there's so many different things that, okay, we can just agree to disagree. But there are certain things that you really, I mean, you can't, 
right? If I'm out on the street with you, and it's like, hey, let's let's win some people to Jesus, and your idea of winning somebody to Jesus is get them to say Jesus really loud, give them a high five, and they're in. They're in the kingdom, they're a follower of Christ, locked in, they can never lose it, right? <laughs> and my idea of winning somebody to Jesus is, no, you know, they need to believe and repent, all right? The two of, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying what my idea is, okay? I think there's a lot more than, than even just that, but if you take that, I mean, how can we, can we really agree to disagree? No, because you're going to be looking at me possibly going, hey, you're trying to put more, that's that Pharisee trying to put more on people, and I'm going to be looking at you going, you're running around getting people quote-unquote saved. They're, they're going from there thinking that they're good with Jesus, and they're not, because you didn't do anything. <laughs> so that would be a, a non-negotiable. I think we need, to, we need to sit down, talk, break bread. Let's get on the same page with that. Um, and then there's negotiables. Then there's negotiables. And Paul actually talks about this, that, okay, you're going you're gonna to eat this, this meat offered to idols. You're going to not. You're going you're gonna to abide by and, and observe certain holy days, and this person over there doesn't feel to do that. Okay, we can agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree. You don't push your stuff on me. I don't push my stuff on you. Let's agree to disagree. And I think that's one thing that's really tough in churches is that people have a hard time agreeing to disagree on all sides. Okay, it, it, people tend to look at the depend. It, it depends on where you come from, right? If you come from a, I don't know, a denomination where it's very laissez-faire and people really just kind of lackadaisical in their in their walk with God, it's all easy, easy believism. We'll call it that, seeker-sensitive. Well, you might say, you know what? It's not hard enough. We need to have rules, rules, rules. And then you get to a place that's rules, 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 and realize that's not where it's at either. Okay. On one hand, you might be like, we need more rules because people can go too crazy. On the other hand, you can say, we need, we don't need rules at all because people can go too crazy. We need to be able to come together. We need to be able to negotiate some of these things out. And we need to be able to walk with Christ. And I think the non-negotiables are much fewer. And, and I don't think there's nearly as many of those as some people try to make out. We need to be able to agree to disagree Agree on the on the non-negotiables and move forward in God. So, in doing this, in, in, in this in this kind of context of scripture interpreting scripture, kind of a, a prioritization of scripture, rightly dividing the word, we need to. Whenever we're trying to teach doctrine, whenever we're trying to understand what the Bible says on a topic, we're trying to really know the truth, we need to be able to understand our position, and we need to be able to answer opposition. This is so critical because of the fact, like we talked about last week, this is so critical because it's very easy to, to, to kind of put your stake in the sand Put your stake in the ground, boom, this is where it's at, draw the line, and then find scriptures that support your position, okay? But what about the ones that don't? What about the ones that don't? How do you answer those? How do you, what do you think about these? Or or they, or at least seem not to. They they seem like, and I have a perfect example of this, um, the, uh, the scriptures very clearly teach that believing is essential 
to the Christian walk. I think most Christians will absolutely. There's, I mean, yeah, duh. But then we get into things like, well, what about, what about actions? Are, are there any actions you're supposed to take? Is it just like, just believe and that's it? You're done? Or is something like repentance necessary? Do you actually have to repent? Do you have to repent, turn from your sin, or can you just, I believe Jesus, and that's it? You're done. Uh, I think that is one of those topics where your position needs to be one that is scriptural, it needs to be based on Scripture, Scripture interpreting Scripture, and you need to not just be able to pull out, like, for believing, right? Uh, John 3.16, he that believes, right? Whosoever believes on me, that's it. It says believe right there. Okay. What about Luke 13.3? Except you repent, you'll die in your sins. Oops. Right? That, that's, that's where we need to go, oh, okay. Where do we stand on this? What what does that mean? And we need to be able to do that across the scriptures. So don't don't grab a position and say this is where I am, and look at all look at these ten verses that I can use to memorize to to stake my claim and, and prove my position. What about those five or three or seven or twenty that don't seem to go along with what you believe? Can you explain those? Have you given them any real thought? Or do you just dismiss them? This is the problem. Do we want truth, or do we want to prove our position? I can promise you, if we're after just proving our position, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter how liberal, how how loose, how licentious your position might be, oh, it's just freedom and love, and just do whatever, man, it doesn't matter, hippies for Jesus, or if it's hardcore, staunch, living for God is hard, so difficult. The road is narrow. I mean, the road is narrow, but let's not make it narrower. <laughs> let's not make it narrower than it's so narrow. Jesus can't walk this way. You know that 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 can be the case, though, right? So, we have we actually thought about the other positions? Have we have we taken that initial step of prayerfulness and openness and approach the scriptures that way? When we do that, once again, I will reiterate what we've gone through. Not everything is Scripture. Stick to the Scriptures. Commentary is fine. Div- you know, divisions in the Bible to, to know what where you are in the paragraph or whatnot, they're fine. Uh, headings and that kind of stuff, the red letters, it's all fine. Just understand that's not Scripture. That's editorial. That's somebody's commenting. Even capitalization, at, at times you got to be careful with. Like, oh, well, this is, this is capitalized. It's, it clearly means... No, that is commentary. The, in the original, uh, what was it, Koine Greek, they, they didn't have upper and lower case. And so that is someone, their best guess at, in the context, it appears they're, they're meaning this. Okay? Just that, that's, a lot of times, that's what's happening. So we have to, we have to be careful of that. In, in, in diving into Scripture, beginning to study it, New Testament... New Testament over Old Testament, but not New Testament without Old Testament. We need the Old Testament. I, the Old Testament is so powerful and beautiful and and necessary, but in the order of priority, somebody new coming in, reading the Bible for the first time, get in the New Testament. Okay? Get in 
the New Testament. Understand scriptural precedent. We interpret fuzzy scriptures or, or scriptures that could go a couple of different ways. We interpret those in light of clear scripture. So clear scripture says A. Unclear scripture said it could be A or B. Hmm. That unclear one is probably A. <laughs> okay, because it lines up with the other one that is clear. That's the, that's the idea of scriptural precedent. We need to rightly divide the word. We need to rightly divide the word. Scripture, interpreting scripture, right? This is rightly dividing the word, because you can wrongly divide it. You can look at a couple of scriptures and say, oh, look, this means this, and then you then you bring in another scripture and go, oh, man, maybe it doesn't. It means this other thing over here. So we need to be very careful. We need to be able to understand that there are negotiables and non-negotiables. There are things that are absolutely, they are eternal, they are salvific, right? The, the technical term, salvific. They are for salvation. If you don't do this, you will be lost. And then there are things that, hey, you know what? Maybe we can agree to disagree. Have some grace. Have some mercy for one another. Love love one another. Agree on the non-negotiables. Uh, and then, you know, understanding that it's easy to grab a bunch of scriptures and prove our position. But can we prove the opposition? Or can we disprove the opposition? Can we answer the questions? Maybe legitimate good questions that someone comes to us with a scripture that seems to totally contradict what we believe. How do we handle that? Do we, oh, that's that's ridiculous, I know that's not true. Or do we look at it and go, hmm, let me pray on it, let me look at it, let me study it out, study the context, scripture interpreting scripture, make sure I'm, you know, I understand it. There are lots and lots and lots and lots of uh, areas that we can get trapped in if we don't start to be able to identify truth versus error in these ways. So it's a lot. It's, it is a lot. It's This is the thing like, oh, I took a 12-week discipleship class. So <laughs> what does that mean? Okay. Until we start diving into it, growing, developing, you always know when people start reading the Bible, they start looking at it, they start asking questions. They start going, hey, wait a minute here. They start, I mean, you can tell when people start reading the Bible, they will start, hey, how do you know this This is right and this is not? And that's where maybe you get in the, into the understanding of, listen, this is New Testament. See how Jesus said this and that this is the fulfillment of the Old Testament? That's why we don't need to do that anymore in the Old Testament, right? Why don't we, why don't we do animal sacrifice anymore? It's all over the Old Testament. Why don't we do that, right? Why don't we have the dietary laws? Why don't we? People need to... But people will start asking those questions when they start reading the Bible, start thinking for themselves. That's what we want. That's what a disciple does. <laughs> they, they follow Jesus on their own. That's what, we should, um, that's, that's what we should be striving for as individuals. That's what we should be hoping and praying and pushing for as anybody in ministry. Fivefold ministry, your job is to get people there, right? Leaders in churches, your job is to get people there, right? Uh so I, I want to end this with just some uh, some practical study tips. Start small and build up. Start small and build up. Consistency is the key. Don't go from I don't read the Bible to I'm going to start reading 10 chapters a day. Okay, you're going to go maybe two days, you know, over the weekend, you're going to hit Monday and you're going to forget about it. Okay? Or whatever. You're going to get to <laughs> you're going to get to numbers and be like, "What in the world?" I can't do 10 chapters of this. Um, so I start small and then work your way up. If you, it's between three and four uh, chapters a day. So we'll call it three and a half, but I'm going to round up to four, right? 
between three and four chapters a day, consistently every day, and you'll read the entire Bible in a year. So start with start with a chapter a day, but work your way up to the point where you can you can get through the. It's very doable. It's just it takes consistency. You miss three weeks, and it's like, oh man, <laughs> twenty one days at three chapters a day, right? You're sixty plus chapters behind. That that's gonna that's gonna mess you up, and that's why consistency is the key. And it's not just the reading for reading's sake to check a box and. Oh, look at me. I read the Bible through. Did you get anything out of it? Are you doing the word? <laughs> right? The, the, the tips I'm giving are on the practical side of just getting through the Bible, reading, get starting to develop that. But obviously we need to be doing it. It needs to be more. It's a spiritual book. It needs to be more. It needs to be prayerful, open, right? This kind of thing. Um, I would say that reading a Bible in multiple translations. So especially when you're studying, like if you're doing your daily reading, three, four chapters, you're getting through, you know, <clears throat> digesting the word of God, but then you start to study, you start to look at something, you're looking at a, a, a portion of scripture a little more deeply, get a couple of versions of the Bible. They're, they're all over. The, the, the U version app is a fantastic version of the Bible. U version, Y-O-U, U version. You can look that up in you know, your app store and you'll be able to get that. And there, there's so many Bible plans. You want to read the whole Bible. You want to read it chronologically. You want to read just New Testament. You want, I mean, there's so many Bible plans and you can just, every day you open it up. What's my plan for today? Click, 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 done, right? It's it's fantastic. You can highlight in there and cro- there's all kinds of cool stuff you can do. But there's lots of different translations of the Bible in there. So you can go and you can read something in the NIV and you say, what, what's this look like in the in the ESV? Oh, I wonder what the NET looks like. What's this look like in good old KJV, right? That is something that you can do with, with these apps or online. If you want to get into word study and things of that nature, there's a couple of places. BibleGateway.com is, is pretty good, Bible Gateway. And then another one is Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible org is a really good place if you want to get into looking up words and like say the Greek you want to go to the lexicons and and kind of dive into well what's this what's this really you know what's the emphasis on this right here you know sometimes uh, that is necessary depending on what the topic is and so it's good when I say necessary especially when you're getting into nuance like uh, one example is the word obey in the scriptures, right? The Bible tells us obey those that that are leaders or, you know, depending on the version of the Bible, that rule over us, those that have authority in God over us, obey them. Children, obey your parents. It tells us to obey God. Well, I mean, are all those the same? They can be translated as the same word obey, but then when we dive into it, we see... They're different words with different levels of emphasis, right? Our obedience to God is you do it. He says it, we do it. Otherwise, you're in disobedience to God. If you're talking leadership in the church, it's more of a listen to what they say, right? Because they're called of God to try and shepherd you. But it's not, if you don't, if he says go wash his car and you don't do it, you're the dis- same as disobeying God. That is not the case. Some people kind of teach it that way. 
But you'll look and see in the Greek, those are different words. That's where that kind of stuff becomes more prevalent. But I'll be honest, you don't need it. Once you start reading the Bible, you'll see very clearly that blindly obeying your parents, if your parent says, go murder this person over here, that you're just supposed to do it, it's very clear, right? The Bible says to obey our rulers and authorities, our civic rulers. But I'm sorry, if the governor of your state tells you to go kill people, we don't go, oh, well, the Bible says obey the, you know, obey the, the civil authorities. No, it's very clear from Scripture that obedience to civil authority is subject to obedience to the kingdom of God, the principles of God's kingdom. So you don't need the Greek word study, but it could be helpful. It can be another way of sort of getting you there, if that makes sense. So I think that's a that's another good kind of tip. Blue Letter Bible, uh, Bible Gateway, U, the version app. So we can read in different translations. We can do word studies, this kind of thing. And definitely, I already said it, but get it. Pick the when you're doing your reading. Get a Bible version that's easy to understand. God wants to be able to speak to you through His Word. He doesn't want you to have to scratch your head and and after three minutes of reading, you have no idea what you just read. Now that's not because you're falling asleep and you're not really paying attention, but the words like that you don't even talk like that. <laughs> okay, so I I hope this is this has helped. I hope this. Uh, this is in some way encourage you get into the Word of God, maybe expanded your knowledge to realize there is a lot more here than just I start picking up the Bible and just just read the words. I'm good to go. There are things that we need to start developing in this discipline of reading and studying the Word of God. But what better discipline to get than to open up the precious, wonderful words that God Almighty, the God of the universe, had He moved on men to write down his words so they would be forever settled. They would be passed down so we could have them. What better discipline than to start reading the Bible, the scriptures, and letting God speak directly to us. I love you guys. God bless you. I hope this has helped you. And uh, we will catch you on the next podcast. 